0: loves us, who once walked among us, and who spurs us ever on. Amen. you be seated. So, two weeks ago, I gave you a homework assignment. Long time ago, I know. And the uh, the assignment was, if you don't recall, was um, three adjectives and a noun. Really a metaphor. Describe for me a metaphor for for God. A metaphor for God. Three adjectives and a noun. Matt. So, how'd you do? Anybody want to come back and report? <laughs> Tom? Well, I call it Well, tell everybody. God is creative and loving and sustaining. Creative, loving, sustaining. Okay? Okay. Anybody else? Okay, come up with something now. I mean, remember when you were in high school, you know, and, and the pop quiz, and you had to come up with something? <laughs> Okay, yes, Bob? God is creative, benevolent, and imminent. Creative, benevolent, and imminent with an I here, present. Okay, yes. Dory? Uh, God is embracing, God is compassionate, and God is love. Bracing, B-R-A-C. Embracing, compassionate, and love. How about a metaphor? Is there a noun in this for somebody? Yes. Rock, loving, helping, joyful rock. Metaphor of a rock, solid, in place. Yes, Bill? Okay, all right. <laughs> teacher, caring, constant, challenging teacher. A rock, a teacher. See how this begins to flesh out? Yes. Host, empowering, providing, trusting, host, rock, host, teacher. What else? What's bubbling up? Yeah, story. Friend and traveling traveling companion. See the breadth, the richness of these metaphors? All of them are right. None of them are perfect. None of them gets it right on the bullseye, but all of them are are appropriate and part of, of this image. Yes, Father, mother, son, daughter. Kind of Trinitarian. Father, mother, or quadrarian. Father, mother, son, daughter. Family. God is family. Dynamic. Family. What else? See the richness in this? I just love it. What else? Instant association. What have you got? Comfort. Comforter. What else? Parent image. Jill said God is confused <laughs> why there is still evil and, and violence and death and misery in the world. Okay. Somebody over here, yes. Compassionate, unknowable, recognizable spirit. Gets the complexity, gets the tension. Anybody else? Oil. God as oil makes things run smoothly, protects. You begin I begin to see my metaphor as being this incredible image of, of this diamond this jewel and every time you turn it a little bit you get a different facet different light shines from it more purple more red more blue more white every time you look it's a different impression that we get in in this in this knowledge of who God is and not being static in that not not even ourselves having the static definition of who God is we watch grow, God grow as we grow. Of course, God doesn't grow in God's self, but the image of who God is grows as we grow. So therefore, God changes as we change because we only see it through our own, our own sense, our own essence. God's essence is part of our essence. God's being is part of our being. You know, we've been talking about, about um, Diana Butler Bass's book, and we're talking about the church changing her, her book is about post-religion. What, what does it mean to be, to be a religious person after religion? A lot of conversation. What does it mean to be a post-Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian after Christianity? And it's a very provocative, both of those are very provocative ideas, and I've been following sort of the fringe talk about this for a couple of years now. i am really excited about this. And then, lo and behold, this past week, we were at clergy conference, and one of our bishops stands up and starts talking about the post- Christian era. And I read um, a report that the the presiding bishop is doing now in each province getting ready for our General Convention. She's talking about post-Christianity, a new sense of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, using new language, having new definitions, having an elastic understanding. And Lo and behold, these things that have been happening on the fringes now for a couple of years, beginning to be mainstream in the Episcopal Church. When we get to General Convention, in July, we'll be talking about changing the structure of the church. And it's around this new understanding, being being able to see who Jesus is in a different way, see who God is through different eyes, turning that jewel just a little bit and having a different image. And I find that incredibly exciting, incredibly exciting, because we're moving into a new place. It's scary. So I want to continue our conversation about those, the, the three B's um, that, that uh, Butler Bass uses, remember they were, be, they were believing, behaving, and belonging. And I want to talk this morning about the belonging piece. Remember I said they're not sequential, they can move around. And, and I want to talk with you about what it means to belong. What it means to belong. In, in not just the sense of what does it mean to belong to this church, or to a church. but what, what, is it, what is the definition of belonging in the world today? And it's changing. It's changing all around us, rapidly. I, in preparation for this talk, I went back through a book that I'd read several years ago. A man named Robert Putnam wrote a book, I think, in 1999 or 2000. And the title of the book was Bowling Alone. And his perspective was is that those organizations that we had that we had identity around, like Elks Clubs or, or Women's Bridge Clubs, or they're gone now. They don't exist anymore. Everybody was, was part of at least one of those small groups, and other than maybe being part of a, of a sort of hit-or-miss book group nowadays, we don't have those groups anymore. Putnam's image, his, his metaphor was back in the 1960s and 70s, bowling leagues were huge. Everybody in a small town was part of a bowling league. There were men's bowling leagues, there were women's bowling leagues, there were bowling leagues that had to do with where you worked, there were bowling leagues. Everybody was involved in a bowling league. Now there are no more bowling leagues, but interestingly enough, the bowling alleys are still open. And they're still doing business. And his perspective was it's because people bowl alone. What was once a group activity has now become an activity for um, Solitary, so solo activity. So what does it mean to belong when we bowl alone? Take a look at our popular magazines over the past 40 years. We started with Life magazine, then we had People, then we had Us, and now the popular magazine is Self. What's happened over the past 40 years that we've moved from Life to People to Us, and now what we're reading about is Self. We're moving from this concept of what it means to belong, to be a part of something, to a concept of what it means to be all alone, to be solo. More and more, we're spending time alone. If you have not yet come across this, this, the whole buzz about this article um, in the Atlantic Monthly last month, face, um, um, cover story about Facebook, about how Facebook is making us more alone than ever, one of the most startling statistics in that article was in 1985, they, they polled a certain number of people and said, do you have somebody to go to when you have a serious question in your life? Do you have somebody to go to when you have a serious question in your life? 10% of the people polled said no, 1985. 2010, 25% of the people polled. One quarter of the people polled said they have nobody to go to when they have a perplexing question about their life. 25%. We spend all this time, three, four hours a day, in a room by ourselves, pushing a button that says, like, I like, I like, I like, with no no interaction between us and the person who's put up what they had for breakfast. We just don't have that kind of interaction. Now, the person who wrote this article didn't say that Facebook is terrible and ought to be done away with. He said, what happened to FaceTime? He said, Facebook with FaceTime can be a wonderful, amazing thing. But Facebook all by itself is isolating, is separating us from one another at an alarming rate, at an alarming rate. And all this has to do with what does it mean to belong? How do we define belonging. It it's not a new problem. It's not a new issue. All the way back to the reading that we had from Acts, it was all about belonging. If you remember in that reading, um, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Even on the Gentiles. Did they belong? Absolutely not. They weren't Jewish. They didn't follow the dietary laws. The men weren't circumcised. How could they possibly belong to those of us who are following Jesus if they're not one of us? How can they possibly be who we are if they're not just like us? And, and the folks back in Jerusalem, the guys, James and the boys back in Jerusalem, were saying, they've got to be like us. They've got to eat what we eat. They've got to look like we look they can do the same things that we do, then they can belong. And Peter is beginning to get a different vision of what it means to belong. It's not about appearance. It's not about what you eat. All of a sudden, it was about the presence of the Holy Spirit. It was this new thing for Peter. He had come around to believing that no. Peter at one point says um, to, to Cornelius, this Roman centurion, I have only Followed the laws of my people my entire life. And now, radicalized, Peter begins to say, what does it mean to belong? What does it mean to be part of this group now that includes people that aren't just like me? What does that mean? How do we do that? Can we not baptize one another in the same family even if we don't look just alike? Begins to expand, become elastic. The vision of who Jesus was begins to expand. Jesus did not come now just for the Jews, but for all people. The vision of who God was begins to expand, open up. What does it mean to belong, to include others in? And we do that really well here. What does it mean to, to bring others in? That's an important part of belonging. How do we open up? Jean Vanier was a is an amazing man, he's in his 90s, or almost 100 now. And he began an organization called Les Arc, I think that's right, I don't do French very well, but The Doorway, back in the 1940s. And his whole purpose was to allow for adults who have some sort of a, of a disability that, that not allows them to operate in life, like, like some people do, to give them resources so that they can do, um, they can live a life that's wonderful and full of joy and full of usefulness. So he paired up individuals. He paired up um, a volunteer with a young person or or a person, and they lived together. They lived together. Henry Nowen, you've heard me talk about Henry Nowen a lot. Henry Nowen was this amazing, he was a Roman Catholic priest from Holland, was a teacher, he taught at Harvard, he taught at Yale, he was a writer, he wrote 40 books, he was followed um, by people like me, I mean we would run after him. Like um, The last seven years of his life, he lived in one of these communities taking care of one young man at a time. In the last seven years of his life, he just went to live in Toronto, Canada, in one of these lay communities just to take care of a young man, to be with a person, to help him negotiate his life. John Vanier said this about belonging. The fundamental attitudes of true community where there is true belonging are openness, welcome, and listening to God, to the universe, to each other, and to other communities. Community life is inspired by the universal and is open to the universal. It is based on forgiveness and openness to those who are different, the poor and the weak. Sex, like S-E-C-T-S, sex put up walls and barriers out of fear, out of a need to prove themselves and to create a false security. Community is the breaking down of barriers to welcome difference. The breaking down of barriers to welcome difference. Who belongs? Who belongs? But the thing is, and what I want to focus on this morning, is, is it not just... Who belongs to us but how do i know i belong how do you know you belong and what are those are those institutions or those groups or those families those entities that you belong to and how do you know you belong there because i think this is really the fundamental question we don't know that we belong and so we feel isolated and lonely i was at dinner last night with this wonderful group of people this amazing woman who, who is smart and accomplished, and we're talking about religion, interestingly enough, and, um, and she says, I, I don't believe in it. It's so alone. Sometimes it feels so alone. And my heart broke. I mean, I don't believe in the God that, that she believed in maybe as a child, and she's alone. What does it mean to belong? What does it mean to be a part of? So I think in in following my sort of, you know, giving you a list, I want to give you a list of four things now, and I want you to think about this, not just today, but think about this this week. Belonging, to belong, has to do with, with shared belief, with shared practice, with shared vision, and with shared purpose. To share beliefs, practices, to share a vision, and to share a purpose. So how do you fit into those those things that you belong to, you feel you belong to, or you want to belong to? How is that affected by, how is that informed by the shared beliefs? Do we all believe the same thing? Shared practices, do we all do the same thing? Shared visions, or a vision, and shared purpose. Now they're all different. And they all can be done in different ways. We can belong and not all have the same beliefs. We don't have to share all of our beliefs the same way. You and I don't share all of our beliefs the same. Even our belief in God may be very different. We don't practice always the same way. You may really enjoy the 5 o'clock service, which is very different than the 745 service. We don't practice always the same way, and yet we belong. What does it mean to share a vision, to share what we think the future will look like, should like, we want to work for. And what's our purpose for getting there? You know, I I was reading yesterday in the paper, you probably did too, about the the split in in the churches and how the Falls Church, the Falls Church is now, um, those who have been there, the breakaway church that's been there is now leaving, and the the Episcopal Falls Church is coming back. And, And as I read that, and I was thinking about my sermon this morning, I thought, you know how unfortunate the entire conversation that we had with those folks was about the first two. The whole conversation was about shared beliefs and shared practices (coughs) and the fact that we didn't share. What would the conversation have been like if we'd really talked about vision and purpose? How different would our conversations have been if we talked about do we share the same vision? Do we share the, the same sense of what the world under a loving God should look like? Purpose, how do we get there? What's our purpose in making that happen? My sense is, if we had spent our time talking about vision and purpose, it would have been a very, very different conversation right from the beginning. What does it mean to share a vision? What does it mean to have purpose, to know what our purpose is, and to share that with one another? I think that is the kernel of the kind of community that we're talking about. I think belief and practice can be elastic and expanding and moving. And that's what the old Christianity was about, was about belief. And you had to believe this in a certain way, and you had to practice it in that way. You couldn't do this, and you could do that, if you believed this, and you didn't believe that. And we didn't talk ever about vision or the purpose of, of being together. The purpose of being together was to do the belief piece. So what about if we focus now on the other two? It's harder, more complex. It may take more work. But I think that's where the future of our community lies, of our belonging lies. <coughs> you know, I told the, the, the first service, a chink in the armor for me in this whole thing sort of culturally was in, in the 1970s, and it was all about Watergate. That sense of shared vision and that, that sense of shared, shared purpose it all dissolved around this this incredible tragedy that happened in our country i don't think we've ever recovered from from that 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 discomfort or that unreliability of shared vision and shared purpose as a nation we don't talk about that anymore cuz it's been it's been ruptured and how do we begin to talk about that again do we have a shared vision as a nation do we have a shared vision do we share a purpose the 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 talk that, that Catherine Jeffrey Shore, our presiding bishop, she said this, and this is I just was able to um, to write some of it, but some of it's just sort of secondhand. She wrote, "Change in the church and in the world can be disorienting, and for some it creates anxiety. God is still creating. The church is experiencing growth in unexpected places, such as immigrant communities." New occasions create new opportunities, not just on Sunday mornings, not just in church buildings. We have to learn to turn outward. And this is where she and and Vanier's quote, where they converge. We have to learn to turn outward. If the living water is hoarded, it turns to death. Current church structure and measurements focus on inward tallies, like numbers of members in pews on Sundays. How do we measure not what we take in, but what we give away? That's a vision. How do we measure not what we take in, but what we give away? That's a purpose. How do we, as this community, begin to see ourselves as belonging here, contributing here, being a part of here, so that we can give away what we've got? so that the incredible joy and, and happiness and excitement that happens for me on Sunday mornings is translated into a vehicle that we can take out there. I think that's a vision worth working for. I think that's purpose in my life and in my work here. And i bet it is for you too. So think about that this week, not just here, but think about what your vision is for your communities. How do you know where you belong? What is the vision for that? And what's the purpose for being there? It's worth thinking about. Amen. Please stand in a. Affirm-